I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films and Bond-related films and, let's be honest, other films as well, by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. This is a special episode, a bit like when a TV show hasn't got enough material for a full season, where we're looking back at some of the highlights of shows gone by, and we'll be going from the start of season four back in September 2020 up until the end of 2021, that sort of horrible lockdown period and what shows we had yes over the next 45 minutes you'll hear about how lobotomies were invented why you should keep your hud clean and the best named place to live in san francisco but we'll kick off with our first bond compilation you'll hear from neil forsyth on from russia with love joel morris on thunderball and charlie hickson on you only live twice but first bond expert mark o'connell on dr no with a splash of george lazenby to kick off I think George Lazenby dangles his balls into one shot in Dime of the Day. Oh, oh right, yes. Oh, gosh, that's a vision, isn't it? <laughs> it's disguised as a lava Is lamp. Is it 1969 but... balls or his 2002 balls? It's yeah, 2002, these things matter. 2002 oh. balls, but they CG'd them. Yeah, well, I suppose the older ones would actually be visible in frame. <laughs> and and they make them invisible, like the car, so you can't see them, but he's there. But the cameras are really heavy on his knackers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they make it look like a lava lamp, so it's really tasteful. Anyway, we've, we've crossed... Doctor yes, No. Yes, Doctor No, back to the beginning. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so Bond arrives in Jamaica. He gets picked up by a driver, but he doesn't trust him at all. And he's quite smug when he uh, he says to him, where are, you, where, are you, where are you from? And he says, Government House. So he, he says, I'm just going to use the phone. And he nips out and rings Government House. And they're like, no, no, we haven't sent a driver. Mm. Um, so he gets in the car and he's being tailed. The, the driver starts driving really fast and he says, we're being tailed. So Bond gets him to pull off. Not like that. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> So they stop, and then he just says to him, I know you're not from Government House, where are you from? And then they have that little fight where the guy runs at him and Bond just does that sort of judo flip. Yeah, he does that weird, it's almost like like Bambi and Thumper rehearsal. It's, yeah. it's like they're blocking the Bambi and Thumper scene just nine years later. Uh, but it turns out the, the guy won't tell him and then just takes the suicide pill. Uh, in much the same way I'd do if James Corden ever spoke to me. It does, it does feel a bit disjointed, I think particularly yeah. the first half. Yeah. Um, and then, and also the song. It's an instrumental version instead of the actual song, and it sounds a bit like they've given Bobby Crush PCP. <laughs> it's just this mad organ going the on. Li- Lionel Bart. Yeah, it's Lionel Bart's he song. Was a, yeah. a mad organ in himself, and he, he, he uh, was. He probably had he PCP a, as well. Yeah, he's. Uh, I was asked if I wanted to write his story a few years ago. I don't know if oh, anyone's yeah. doing it. They were trying to do it for a long time, but it's a great story. I mean, it's it's really interesting. It's kind of. Made all his money from Oliver and and um, lost it all on that Robin Hood musical. Spunked it on Twang. Twang, that's it. The worst name yeah. for a musical ever. <laughs> no. And then he and sold then all of his rights for peanuts, didn't he? 
He sold his rights for peanuts to Max Bygraves, who then sold them for a fortune. <laughs> Big um, money! Um, I'll tell you a very quick Mike's Max Bygraves story mm, if you like. Mm-hmm. So I was having dinner with, when, I, when we made Bob Servant, mm. at the end of the night, I, I stayed in the same hotel as Brian Cox, and um, we'd have a couple of drinks and things, and, and we'd all get a bit sleepy and hysterical. And every one night he said to me, I said, what are you doing, uh, what are you shooting next? And he said, well, I've just shot... Um, a Max Bygraves biopic and it's getting released in a few months. Right. And I thought, why the fuck has someone made a Max Bygraves biopic and why have they cast Brian? Anyway, <laughs> so I didn't think much more of it and I, then I woke up and that was the first thing I thought, but it's just fucking bewildering. So anyway, I was on the set and I saw Brian get dropped off. He looked very flustered. <laughs> I heard him asking where I was and he came storming over the set and he went, Matt Busby! Matt Busby! <laughs> 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 uh, there you go. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he's a very funny, very funny man, particularly when he's confused. Mr. Bond, welcome to Palmyra. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yes. I just hope I'm not interrupting anything. What do you mean? I thought perhaps you're another visitor. No. That gun looks more fitting for a woman. You know much about guns, Mr. Bond? No. I know a little about women. But then we we, we meet Domino underwater and she's doing a kind of like underwater tribute to Back to the Future. (laughs) Yes. Hanging onto a sea turtle. Yeah. It's very very sort of Little Mermaid finding Nemo. It's a bit Disney. I quite like it. Yeah. But she gets her foot stuck in a rock. Yeah. Luckily for her, she's being watched shall we say, by, by Bond. By a man who's followed her to NASA just based on a photo he fancied. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's it's it's, it's true love. But he's sort of, it's like pulling a, a, a thorn out of a lion's paw. You mm. know, he's got her now because he's rescued her foot. But he also um, gives her a massive compliment, doesn't he? He says, most he's girls just paddle around. You swim like a man. Yeah. Like, it's obviously like she's got like big balls. In her. <laughs> Maybe she's been storing clams or something in her, down her trunks. Yeah. Uh, so she and a sea like cucumber. A <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but, yeah, you swim like a man. That's yeah, a brilliant thing to say. Lovely. He also offers us some of his conch chowder. Yes. <laughs> it's a euphemism for it something. It definitely is. Uh, but they're being watched by a man um, who looks like Andy De La Tour. Uh, that's my note. It just says, here mm. is, it says Mike Love stroke Andy De La Tour is yes. watching them. <laughs> and she says it's, uh, it's he who works for a Guardian. Yeah. Not the Guardian, obviously. Yeah. Um, that's that's, that's born. That's different. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he says, "Can we have you know? Can we carry on with lunch?" And she says, "No, I got to go back to my guardian." Yeah, Andy Delatour is there. Yeah, it looks so much like Andy Delatour. I was trying to work out how that was possible that it could be him. Yes. It, obviously, it's impossible. The ages are all wrong. Mm. Uh, and then, and then I looked up who it was, and I didn't remember because it's Andy Delatour. <laughs> <laughs> what you mean? You looked up Andy Delatour. No, yeah, <laughs> you, you were what? adding his wiki page. He was <laughs> yeah. also in Thunderball, <laughs> aged one <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's impossible, but it's definitely him. And as a boy, as I say, as going back mm. to being a boy, going to see this, it was just like this is the most erotic thing I could ever imagine. It is, boy. It is. I would love to be James Bond. Yeah, women want him. Men want to be him, especially in this particular scenario. Yeah, and to be in those baths with all those. Lovely young ladies, catering to your every need. Gosh, mm. it's a terrible, terrible thing. Awful. Misogyny. But, uh, but as, a, as a young boy, I just thought, this is the bee's knees. Mm. But Tanaka asks Bond, who do you think would have the muscle to do such a thing? And Bond goes, well, it's obviously Spectre, in it? Because it's always Spectre. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who else would it possibly be? Yeah, and, it, and it, it's always the hardest thing in films, is to, mm. is to say, well, who are going to be the villains? Yeah. Um, because things can change quickly. Mm. Um, is it in one of the the, uh, the Rambo films where it's like yeah, Rambo three with the, with the Mujahideen? That's right. It's dedicated um, to the brave fighters of them at the end. Yeah, who were uh, because they were fighting the Russians at the time. And Bond does um, it as well in the Living Daylights. Yes. Yeah. So it, it, and so you 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 start to get into the catch-all territory of sort of international drug dealers because they're all bad and. Things change, and one day someone's a hero, the next day they're a villain, and vice versa. So well, that's where the Roger one's got it right, because you're always going to be a villain if you want to live underwater and destroy the world. 
And you're always going to be a villain yes. if you want to blow up, kill every living thing on Earth apart from plant, plants and then come down and start mm. again. Yes. And, you know, in the end, I, I, they sort of work better if it is just something that's not too tied in with, with current current politics. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather watch uh, a fish-handed man trying to drown <laughs> the world than a political thing about the water shortages in Bolivia in Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Is that what that was about? I think so. <laughs> I think so. I mean, much like the water in the that the film runs dry quite quickly. Yes. Um, yes. In the end, it, and you know, Hitchcock had it right. Why not just have a big engine noise over? I'll tell you who the villains oh, are. Oh. I'll tell you who they're working for. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. There's a car chase in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> car chase in a minute. Now, Smash Pod is not just about Bond, but Bond-related films too, featuring your favourite and not-so-favourite 007 stars in some very different movies. We've got some choice snatches of conversations coming up here. Sarah Morgan on Mamma Mia, Michael Spicer on The Curse of the Pink Panther, Mitch Benn on Outland, Tiddy Steele on The Beautician and the Beast. But first, let's head to deepest, darkest Wales and speak to Dan Thomas on Highlander 2, The Quickening. Mmm, boy all. No, that's terrible. Sorry, I'll take that out, Dan. Apologies. Apologies to you and your people. And then McLeod says, you can't attack me here. This is holy ground and it's forbidden. Oh, they have seen the first one. They remember yeah. this bit. Yeah. And then what, what Katana should say is, who fucking says? I'm from Zeist. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll chop your nuts off. It's really weird. Um, oh, the, he says to him, so after they have this little encounter in the church, hmm. um, McLeod says to him, after all this time, you're still a jerk. Yeah. Which is something nice my six-year-old says. 500 years you had to think of that. Yeah. You should have said, you're, I, you're still a big fat-headed spanner. Yeah, you balding bell. Oh, by the way, I, I saw Michael Ironside in, um, in, a, in a film recently. I wasn't sure he was still working. Mm. I thought he was a fascinating-looking man at this period. I watched, he, he's in that new film, um, Nobody. Oh, yeah. And he now, genuinely, when he walks out in that scene, in the his first scene of that, genuinely thought he was Jimmy Greaves. <laughs> I, you, I can't believe Michael Ironside. He looks like Jimmy Greaves now. Not, not that there's anything wrong with Nothing that. Wrong I'm just, with that. I was surprised. No. I was surprised. No. Uh, the last thing I saw of him was X-Men First Class. Oh, was he in that? Yeah, only, only a bit part. At the end, he's like a general when they're having that big uh, Cuban Missile Crisis bit. Right, okay. I don't think I think he only says about three things, but he looked the same then. He obviously hadn't, you know, evolved into the griefs, <laughs> which happens when you get old. Oh, just what this, just to highlight this other piece of dialogue, oh, yeah, yeah. which I believe is an ad lib. Oh. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. If you don't take it out and use it, it's going to rust. That's right. That's what General Katana again from mm. five hundred. Billion miles away, says as he's walking. Now, this one I've written was this actually written by Talbot Rothwell? <laughs> I am after the black fingernail. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really odd, and um, I, I don't know if that's supposed to be like he's talking about his penis as well as his sword, or is it just his sword? I don't know. I assume it's about his cock. Yeah, so then we cut to Sweden. Oh, god, this is oh, this weird. Is Where Harry is up for an award, yeah. So, we should establish that we never the, the jeopardy at the beginning is that mm. Bill and, and Harry, Harry aren't meant to be coming mm. uh, to the opening of this hotel, uh, because Harry has a business deal to close and Bill has to collect a sort of lifetime achievement award for something. something. Um, what's happening there? Well, Harry comes on stage, but Bill, not, not like that. Sorry, Bill. Bill comes on stage, not like that. <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he is, he is Shrek. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? He's in on? a Mr. Creosote fat suit. Yeah. And he is like, oh, it's great to get this award. And I think we're supposed to think at this point, mm. oh, it's hilarious. The character of Bill has really let himself go. Yeah. How funny mm. that that could happen to a man. Like, mm. it's really horrible. It's really body shaming and really, I don't know, there's some really joyless gag in it that it's like yeah imagine if Sarsgaard you know put on some weight mm. uh, <laughs> and the joke is of course that it's not really Sarsgaard it's his twin, twin brother or something brother his twin <laughs> brother is picking up his award meanwhile Bill's in the car mm. talking to someone driving from Sweden to Greece and he says oh I hope my brother 
Yeah. Doesn't do the joke about the goat. <gasps> That's and it right. cuts back to me and goes, oh, did I ever tell you about that goat? Ha, ha, ha. See, if someone had ever taken a second look at the script once they'd written the first draft, they mm. would have gone, two scenes ago, we saw a goat. So if you say goat again, we're going to think it's that goat because They've that's been how people hold goat. stories in their te- in their head. So now it's just like, have I got to think about that? Is the goat going to come back? But his brother's been shagging the goat. The brother's been shagging the goat for a month. Right. And then realised there's a woman next door. Oh. I think there might be more than one goat in the world. I mean, no. it's, hard to, it's hard to know. On that the island, there is only one goat based on the evidence I've no, seen. No, no, because we've seen in the first one, there's loads of goats. Oh, that's true. There's they, a lot of they goats. They might be in the Bill's babies. One. They might have his, his, <laughs> hey, his face. His kids. Hey! <laughs> yeah, young Julie Walters mm. cracks out some lines about cake and be still my beating vagina. Mm. And, uh, uh, and, 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 it is very apparent that men wrote the script yeah. <laughs> and not really met men who were sort of slightly out of touch with reality as well. Mm. <laughs> who were just like, women be liking cake, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, it, to make this film work, they really should have just um, brought in anything that reminds people of other films. Yes. When, mm. when Ted Wass is in, um, the, in the car, yeah. in the cab, yes. being pursued by whoever, whoever. bloody was. Yeah, who, no, I idea. Do, no idea. Um, <laughs> Uh, he's just going, ah, 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 and there's there's kind of genuine fear, oh. and you never laugh at genuine fear. No, you've got to laugh at. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not funny. No. <laughs> um, that's for sure. So again, <laughs> but yes, you you um, yeah. So he got that wrong. Straight from the because there is not much point getting Stephen Burke off in your movie unless he's going to go completely fucking mental <laughs> at some point in the fairly big future. <laughs> you don't get St- you know Stephen Burke. I mean, again, at some point round about now, Hollywood realizes that he makes for an incredibly good bad guy. Yeah. So he starts for basically for the whole of the 1980s, kind of from Octopussy onwards, because mm. in Octopussy he plays his bug-eyed, ranting rogue Russian general who's mm-hmm. going to blow up a, an airbase in Europe to get the Americans kicked out of Europe, which is exactly the same plot as Fourth Protocol, except it's Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Um, and and then after that, two years later, he turns up as 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 yeah, Colonel Bastardovsky in, in, in Rambo or whatever the hell he was called. You know, yeah, so he yeah. turns up as evil Russian officer in the, and then he's the evil gangster who Eddie Murphy goes after in Beverly Hills. And at some point, I think he, he realized that if I spend six months of the year in LA, um, playing rent of bad guys in action movies, I can then come back and spend all the money on nude Coriolanus on ice. In this one, he duly goes properly batshit mental because what? after Sean goes back to his dingy flat and discovers that his wife has run off with his kid, mm. we then discover that one of the workers has gone completely nuts and is holding one of the uh, is holding one of the colony's prostitutes hostage. We've also in, had another I worker go into an elevator and... Oh, of course, yes. Yeah. We had a guy walk into the elevator in his pants yeah we were uh, another worker get in some kind of blissful trance-like state go down the elevator go down the elevator to the bottom mining levels in his pants and when they open the elevator door he has burst all over the inside of the elevator he looks like a monkey this in is the, the fly mo- yes he does yeah. yes yes exactly yeah. so you know because this is the movie where people burst yeah so he's burst. Uh, this is the burst sean connery and bursting people in space that's what this movie is you are a lady and there's a lot of news to me. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of lady specific moments in this. I want to see if they ring true. Okay. For the world of lady. Okay. Because you know I'm just a middle aged man. I don't know anything about this. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to presume. I'm definitely not the spokesperson for world of lady, but I, w- I will do my level best. Well, my first question would be: if you were doing a night school for makeup. Yeah. Okay. Would you worry a bit if when you got into the room to do your night school for makeup, uh-huh. in the back of the room there were cages full of snakes, ferrets, rats and mice? I guess so, but I suppose if it's like a community college or something, it's probably the same room they use for like science shit. Or for like vivisection? Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I want to know, was the snake there? Do they do makeup on all these animals as well? No, I didn't get that from it. I wanted I to see think. a snake with lipstick. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. Sometimes our best episodes are about the very worst of films. There's depravity, evil, sickness. 
Yeah, it's time to relive some of the best bits from just one of the most popular podcasts of recent years. Paul Litchfield on the terror, the horror, the non-stop silly voice pit of hell that is Mrs. Doubtfire. There's one, there's one bit that genuinely made me laugh, and and it's and it's because at some point, when, I think when she's at work, they're talking about this amazing um, house that's up on Knob Hill, and that just <laughs> that just made me howl with laughter. Knob that's Hill, the, that's the funniest bit in this film. <laughs> oh, my address! Ah, yes, it's a uh, poorly chilled Knob Hill. <laughs> she says, you know, I slave all day. Yeah. You keep quitting jobs, and then he goes, ah, you chose that career. Yeah, only because I was forced to. Mm. Only because I had to. I wanted to actually do a PhD major in science, and I wanted to go down that avenue. But no, you were too busy out on the street fucking, oh, look at me, I'm a tree. Um, <laughs> just, I had to fucking get money on the table. As funny as Daddy is when he mm. puts breadsticks up his nose and goes, I'm a walrus. <laughs> Every fucking morning, and they're like, "Yeah, that joke's wearing a bit thin, Dad." <laughs> She's out fucking earning the money. I mean, you should see what he did when he put it up his ass and said he was a popsicle. <laughs> Look at me, I'm an upside down now whale. Oh, Robin, stop it! It's disgusting. You can see your balls. But your trousers see- like- <laughs> <laughs> Look at Daddy's balls. No, we're not looking at Daddy's balls again. We can't spend eternity with you just basically doing a thousand voices whilst the house is on fire and the kids aren't eating or doing their homework and they've got no clothes on and they're naked and they live in a trash can and you're just too busy going 24 chromosomes coming down oh i'm a pepper pot i'm a pepper pot my own mommy oh mommy the neighbor at the window and just leans out and says will you shut the fuck up will you shut the fuck up i work shifts <laughs> i've spent three hours listening to you do mr fucking magoo as you fucking made pasta Then for some reason you were dressed as a fucking bald-headed eagle. I don't know why. <laughs> Raking leaves in your fucking yard. Every time the mailman comes, you have to open the door. And for some reason you're dressed as a fucking hen. <laughs> or if my egg mail come. Egg mail doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even trip. It doesn't have... It doesn't make sense, Robin. <laughs> oh, my God, I want to get laid. Okay, that kind of works. That kind of works. Oh, God. Then you were a surfer, dude. You did that for fucking nine hours. It was just you. The TV wasn't on. And you were just going, hey, dude, big kahuna, man. Just, I have, I will call the cops. Please leave. We've, this, this whole neighborhood has made a petition. We need you gone. We'd rather a serial killer lived in this house. They keep themselves to themselves. But not you. Hello, dearie. Yes. And then she asks for his name and he panics. <laughs> so the, the only thing that he looks at, and this is a familiar trope in films, isn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. The, oh my God, I immediately need to come up with something. Mm. And he looks at a newspaper and the newspaper headline says, yeah, no, yeah. police doubt fire was accidental. Okay. So he comes up with doubt fire. Mm. So, I mean, that film could have gone in many other directions. He could have chosen... Um, Mrs. Freddy Star ate my hamster. <laughs> Mrs. Freddy Star ate my hamster. Mrs. F- uh, Mrs. My sex asses are in a lorry in Kent. You know. <laughs> so she gets on the he gets on the bus and the bus driver's like, <laughs> carry on moment. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been Kenneth Connor. Should have been. <laughs> Do you mind, where, dear? Where are you going, love? All the way, dearie. Chance to be a fine thing. Immediately crashes into a school. <laughs> we get the worst scene in the film. Oh, where go he on. goes for a piss that leaves mm. the door open, mm. and his young son has to witnesses. walk in and see him. Yeah, witnesses is a better way of saying it. He, wit- he witnesses his father's junk. Yeah. I've just seen your cock, Dad. <laughs> Urinating. <laughs> It's the first time I've seen your cock and you haven't given it a funny voice. I'm, pro- <laughs> I'm processing. <laughs> oh, look, it's Mr. P. He's being sick. It's a, it's a... Oh, no, here comes a funny cobra. Oh, Dad, stop it. I mean, he's, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if he was a suspect at this point for the Zodiac killings. Because <laughs> he's in San Francisco. <laughs> And he's a, he's a complete psychopath. He's got that massive carpet bag. He's got a carpet bag. <laughs> Just yeah. full of heads. <laughs> I, 
what is it with the the little girl who plays Natty? She's yeah. been in loads of stuff since. Yeah. But she's got she's got obviously she's only about she looks like she's minus six in this. She's yeah. so tiny and whatever. Mm. But she's got like an old lady's face. <laughs> it's really upsetting. <laughs> she's she was in Don't Look Now at the end. I, <laughs> Oh it was a funny old day. She suddenly she t- suddenly turns into Arkwright and open all hours. At the end. <laughs> <laughs> just that's the last shot of the film. It's just her. She's got a little little broom. She's like, well, it's been a, a, a funny old week. Dad dressed as an old uh, English lady from No Fixed Abode. <laughs> my brother saw my dad's penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny old film. This is Doubtfire. <laughs> this is Nurse Doubtfire Emmanuel. So they get in the car and they drive off and he's all happy and Sally feels nice as she's been throughout this entire process. Yeah, she's been as reasonable as any normal human being could be. Oh. Yeah. And then he drives off with his children. Hopefully not to just drive straight into the water and kill them all, which could possibly happen. <laughs> Some suicide death pact that he's yeah. now dreamt up. <laughs> um, hopefully, hopefully he's going to take them somewhere nice. We don't know. Yeah, and then suddenly he reverts back to type, and he tur- he's at the front of the car, and he turns around, and he's suddenly all yellowed up. <laughs> oh, I'm Kamikaze Dad. We all go together. <laughs> oh no, he hasn't learned anything. <laughs> As the, as the car careers into the harbour, into a paddle steamer. <laughs> I'm sure I will never, ever watch this film ever again. No, no, I won't, I won't, no. I can't. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Time now to welcome, like they always promise he will, the return of Bond, James Bond. For more of the best bits featuring 007, you'll hear Dan Thomas on Tomorrow Never Dies, Chris Hewitt on No Time to Die, but first of all, Steve Hall, with a licence to kill. Mm. Hello, good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice, again. That sounded, that sounded quite emotional, that sounded like one of us was in prison the way I said that. <laughs> Are they treating you well? As, as well as I can hope. As well as I deserve for my crimes. Imagine if um, old Terry waited and had clean feed during his uh, imprisonment. <laughs> I was—I yeah. was, googled. I was pleasantly surprised to see he was still alive. He's still alive. Yeah, he can—he can only sit by a radiator these days, but he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've moved—I've uh, I've moved house it's, it, since uh, since I last spoke to you. Have you? So so this is uh, this is all, we've moved to Oxford, oh. and um, I. Uh, Bearing in mind that the film we're talking about involves vengeance, the thing that clinched us moving house was um, we had a basement flat, right. and from the top floor flat um, into our garden came crashing down uh, not only a window but the entire window frame. Oh Jesus Christ! Um, and it landed and exploded on a spot that the kids had been playing on like fifteen minutes earlier. Oh my God! Um, and it actually it like demolished a, a clothes horse so, uh, <laughs> and that had sheets on it, and so like. The tears in the sheets are like indicating what would have happened to the kids. Oh, Jesus! Uh, so, so, so it kind of spurred us to move, and they they offered us a hundred quid by way of compensation. Wow, that's amazing! So, so it's interesting watching *License to Kill* and thinking, "I'm going to take a leaf out of Sanchez's book. This is, yeah, this is the, this is the way people should operate." I'd forgotten quite how much I fancied Carrie Lowell. Yeah. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's kind of the pinnacle of the Bond girls, and in fact, I realised looking at looking at her again, she looks incredibly like 
at one of my long-term girlfriends in my early 20s and I realized that it's it was a, an accidental homage to uh, License to Kill. <laughs> uh, but License to Kill kicks off yes. with um, Sanchez, Franz Sanchez, who's kind of like who, an Albie. The, he Escobar. is one of the great villains. I, sh- I should say because we we should we should say we've been trying to make this happen for some for several months. Yeah. So I've I've watched this about three times during lockdown, but now oh not for a few weeks. So, so I'm going off my notes, and in some cases, the notes I've taken are fucking indecipherable. So <laughs> I can only apologise. It's like what seemed like a, a funny little segue now just looks like the the ramblings of a drunk man. <laughs> He's just knocked the fellow up for smoking. Fantastic! <laughs> there you go. A bit of a smug ex-smoker because ex-smokers have that thing where they can they can say, "God, oh, you smokers disgust me." But as soon as their back turned, they're like, "Have you got a spare one?" Yeah, just yeah. next to him and goes, <laughs> "Yeah." He wouldn't punch him out. He goes, "Okay, uh, White Knight, what are you doing? Are you stopping the missile?" <sighs> Hang on, give me a minute. Oh, <laughs> oh, you would though, wouldn't you? You pick that up and go, "Oh, oh it's a fucking red. It's a red." Oh. Oh. And then that explains his adrenaline-filled. Um, murder fest that he goes on in a minute. <laughs> yeah. That initial adrenaline buzz he's got from having a fag for the first time in ten years. Oh! <laughs> he's just yeah, and they're they're watching the whole thing via satellite. Going, Is he shooting them? No, he's just somehow he's he's doing it with his thumb. But they're going. <laughs> it's, he's doing a presidio on him, but it's going. It's like it's breaking the skin. Mm. He's literally firing bullets out of his finger, and we don't know how he's doing we, it. It's it's just. But anyway, the point is. He needs to stay off the fags. Yeah, he does. We did well getting him off there. But he um, he he destroys a machine gun turret. He destroys a jeep. He punches someone. He knocks out the pilot of the plane who, for some reason, is in the back seat. Having a wank. Having a wank. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, why not? You don't want to sit in the front. You might get it all over your HUD. <laughs> I don't mean Roy HUD. <laughs> yeah. Roy HUD is not sat in the front seat going, oh, oh lay off. You've got it all over my jacket. Uh, no, the hard, the heads up display, Dan. Yeah, yeah. So you go in the back seat because it's just going to go over the back of the front seat. That's exactly. right. It's not going to yeah. matter at all, is it? No, it'll sponge off. Yeah. Uh, if it goes on the windscreen, then it's going to be the hard, and it'll be like, oh, either we've hmm. got we're being tailed by a big round plane, <laughs> or it's a drip. <laughs> We're being chased by one really fat plane and yeah. six tiny long ones. Yeah. <laughs> God, we are so fucking childish. <laughs> Should not do this podcast when I'm drunk. Oh. This is going to get terrible. I've still got a lot of wine to drink. Anyway, this is a little taster of what Dan and I do on a Tuesday night. Um yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so Bond gets in that plane and then he uses the guns and the bombs from the plane to just death, fucking decimate the entire area. Yeah, it's a full Rambo 2 ending. It's total, oh yes, spot on. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking, just, just completely kills everybody in sight. There's one terrorist there though, Gupta. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Played by Ricky Jay, who snuck away with a GPS encoder, which looks like when you buy a necklace for a lady it's in one of those red boxes that opens and closes oh, yeah. yeah I know what a box is no, yeah, um, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, just, just checking if you want to get highfalutin about this movie if you will the movie begins it's bookended obviously with Madeleine mm. Madeleine but it's mm. also bookended with with Bond A being blown up mm. by something whether it's the um, the 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 forces of Spectre who apparently have been waiting in that cemetery for what could be months, years, even. <clears throat> Finally, he's turned up. He's turned up. Oh, my God. Thank God. Uh, I was, my legs were getting numb. Then what, what rouses him ultimately is, is his love for Madeleine. Madeleine. Also, he probably at that moment thinks, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have quit my sex for this woman. He's thinking I've made a huge mistake. I've made a massive error here. I should have yeah. just done the missions like they're supposed to be done and not gone rogue in every single mission I've ever been in. <laughs> I'm really annoyed with myself. If only I hadn't if I hadn't <coughs> skipped that MI6 training course, how not to go rogue on missions. But damn it. And then she plate she pl- plaintively plaintively touches mm-hmm. her tummy to say, Oh, I'm pregnant. Uh. 
<laughs> and um, <laughs> she goes off in the train. And then we get the uh, opening credits, which I think probably are my favorite Daniel Kleiman joint. Really? I love them. I think they're great. Even though they are, oh, remember this, oh, remember that. Uh, but the music's fucking terrible. I can't stand this theme. It, it, this will probably also win the Oscar because now it just seems like it's the easy thing for them to do. Yeah. Um, that, oh, here's a Bond song. All right, Oscar, there you go. And, yeah. uh, and then this is a fairly drab, almost apologetic, wishy-washy way to yeah. go out. But Also, the way guess... she, says, she says stupid at one point and it drives me insane. <laughs> she says, I'm a stupid... <laughs> no, it's stupid, love. Stupid. Stupid. Enunciate. Enunciate. You Billy, and your come on. Fi- Phineas and Ferb that writes all their songs for her. <laughs> <laughs> he says, He's get a- us 007. Ah. Uh, Bond is now in Jamaica, mm. but he finds a, a te- what they call the cigar. In Die Another Day, when he goes to Cuba, he says, I'm here about the telectile. Whatever they called. There's one there. So that's a bit of a Die Another Day callback there. Okay, yeah. And then he meets Logan Ash and Felix in the nightclub, and they want his help to find Orobchev, who's the scientist who was kidnapped with magnets. Magnets. Our next bunch of best bits are from a whole mix of films, some Bond-related and some of our Christmas specials, but 100% Smirchpod. You'll hear Stephen Graham on Sherlock Holmes in New York, Dean Burnett and Dan Thomas on The Lawnmower Man, Paul Gannon on Gremlins. But first, It's a Wonderful Life, with It's a Wonderful Sarah Morgan. They're having their ch- chat outside this old broken house. When we, when This house, we know this is going to be important later. Mm. And, uh, and they start chucking rocks at the window. And making a wish. Yeah. And she says, what did you wish for, George, in this moment where we're connecting and having a lovely time? He's yeah. like, well, I wished I could get the fuck out of here and never see any of you again. <laughs> yeah. This town is full of wankers and you're <laughs> one of them. Oh. But she's she's determined. She's got, you know, she's all bawdy because she's wearing just mm-hmm. a dressing gown. And so, and then the, the, my, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, well, there's a, there's a neighbor watching all of this. With, mm. with looks just, like he's wanking. Local neighbor pervert. who's like yeah. a man in his, in his sixties. Yeah. Who's just sitting on the porch entitled. Just grab and, her tits. Why don't you? Yeah. Yeah. He's, right, and, mate. uh, he says something like, go on, kiss her. Give her and, one, uh, mate. Whoa. And then the man goes inside and yeah. Jimmy Stewart's response is to go, come back here and I'll show you kissing that'll put hair back on your head. And it's like, mm. don't it, encourage this man. And you're asking him this for a threesome. Is, yeah, well, just like, well, I think it's early dogging, isn't it? Oh, he's, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Could have been. Yeah. So mm. she's hiding in the bushes and he's like, oh, I'm not going to give you your roll back unless you mm. come out and show me your jugs. Yeah, he get, he gets he gets it's borderline creepy, but I think yeah. just because they're clearly they're they've clearly engineered this whole situation. She's not doesn't have to be naked in the bush. She's just doing it. I'm quivering in the hydrangeas or something. And she's uh, not sneezing. Yeah, and he's like, "Hmm, this is a tricky situation. I could be uh, charging money for folks to come and take a look see." And then a car pulls up and says, "George, your dad's had a stroke," and he's like, "That makes two of us." <laughs> <laughs> you know what, mate? When I was watching that, I was, I wrote that line now, and I was like, "Wonder which one of us is going to get there first? <laughs> which one of us is going to make a George's dad has had a stroke joke?" <laughs> well done, you got you beat me. Uh, <laughs> I do enjoy doing this podcast. So they go to the theatre, and Holmes says to sorry, Holmes says to Watson, "You buy some tickets. Mm-hmm. I'll find out about the tickets. I'll go and." find out about Miss Adler. So he goes in and then meets that strange man with the big weird nose. Yeah, who's obviously a, an agent hmm. uh, who, who works for Moriarty, uh, whose New York office looks very similar to his London one. Isn't, doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't it? It's, it's r- almost r- like r- it's the r- same set. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> don't they say, like, this is what, we might as well say it now, I was going to say it later, but don't they say later on, I see you've um, replicated your London base here in New York. <laughs> it's the same set, Rog. Yeah, it makes you wonder why Moriarty was upset in the first scene when uh, Sherlock Holmes smashes one of his vases. Mm. He seems to have one in every one of his other bases. So, you know, what are you, what are you being so bothered about? He's basically a Weatherspoons baddie. He's <laughs> got the same room in every country. Yeah, he's picked them all and they all have no atmosphere. Yeah. And right. and to get down the toilets, you have to like, go off down a a, a dark tunnel which um, Moriarty escapes down at the end yes that's where he's going he's actually going for a piss yeah 
<laughs> actually, if you think about it, um, Ian, the, the, the Weatherspoon's man, what's he called, Ian Martin? Um, I don't know, the one who looks like Thundercats, uh, yeah. sort of fallen on hard times. Yeah, he looks like Lionel's granddad. Yeah, yeah. He, he'd make a good Moriarty, actually. Mm. Uh, and then uh, we get some more racism from Watson <clears throat> when yeah. they, they go back to the performance, and he goes, there's not a red Indian in the entire place. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, this is going to be a long one, isn't it? Yeah, they also get quite confused about the ticket situation. When they're talking about the tickets, that's when Holmes says, he said it was the crime of the century. And I was thinking, maybe Moriarty's behind Ticketmaster. <laughs> what about um, doing Stephen King's like, uh, prominent cocaine phase? Because it does seem like it's got that sort of vibe. Yeah, you mean, oh, it was in the mid-70s. No, so... no, it was the mid-80s because he wrote it every oh, night. It? He oh. would write it and wake up in the morning and have no memory of doing it because he was into coke so much. He directed the whole of Maximum Overdrive on Cook. No, he did. I said, I've seen that. I feel like I want to watch that because there's a Yardley Smith in it. It's got a lawnmower in it. (laughs) There is a lawnmower death in it. That's where it was, yeah. A man gets killed in that by a vending machine can flying out into his head and killing him. (laughs) Oh, we should do that one night. Yeah, uh, watch the film. I mean, yeah, yeah. not kill a man. <laughs> not kill can. a man with a <laughs> can. Not after last time. So then, yeah. he, so he's, he's basically given Jake a lobotomy, I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Then he goes to the kids up. next door. Oh, well, dad. well, Dean, Dean, Dean. Mm. Just mm. Get, as we got news on this, yeah, that's true. Can, true. Can if you blow a man's brain, does he get lobotomized? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, lobotomy is severing the connections between the lobes, and if you have a lawnmower through your skull and your cerebral cortex, and that will... What if it's a CGI lawnmower and it's in my mouth? Mm. No, no, that's that's, that's irrelevant. How does one perform a lobotomy, (laughs) Dean? Uh, Do you really want to know? Mm. You get a sharpened spike, uh, or like sort of ice pick, but thinner, and you Mm. push it into the orbit of of your eye and just wave it back and forth and put it out again. I'm doing that right now, and it's not doing anything. Yeah, it is. Trust me. (laughs) 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 The tone is going to change drastically. (laughs) As it turns out, I wrote Lawnmower Man now. (laughs) So you put it in. You put it in the eye. It was done in GP surgeries. It's horrific. It was like one of the darkest chapters in uh, medical science. The guy who rented won a, won a Nobel Prize, which is the most damning chapter of the... Not for that, though. He just did a really yeah. good prawn cocktail. It was unrelated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Prawn cocktail <laughs> Nobel Prize, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when, when was this happening? Because you said GP surgery. I thought this was medieval. Jesus Christ. No, no, was talking like, like Victorian, 20s, it? Was, I think it was ruled out in the 60s and 70s. But what? They do, they do it in one throw over the cuckoo's nest, don't they? Well, that's uh, oh, that's uh, electroconvulsive therapy. It does, um, does way too much. So, do you do it if you turn it up to full with electrotherapy? Does it lobotomize you? No, that's a different thing. <clears throat> um, it was done mostly on women because they were just you know, being erratic and getting yeah. out of you know, being lippy, as, as they thought at the time. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> and, uh, mm. no, but even though like they suffer far more, far less <laughs> of mental health problems, mm. they got a lot more lobotomies. Mm. Which is you know, so women. So I, I am making me? notes here. Sorry, go on. Just, uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure I heard that right. So into the 70s, GPs were putting spikes in women's eyes and saying, that's my job. <laughs> well, okay, not too much GPs, but like the actual psychiatrists in their, own, in their own offices. It was like a hospital procedure. They could actually do it. But uh, into the 70s, office. in this country, in the uh, first world, people were spiking women in the eyes and saying, that's a calm you done. Okay, love. No, maybe like for, maybe for like 50s and 60s, yeah, but it was really, really quite recent. It was really quite... Uh, that, I mean, yeah. yeah, either way, yeah. It, I, I oh. never thought it was still happening in, in, the, in the 20th century, really. Oh, no, that's oh, right. Did. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> well, to be fair, in the 80s, they started losing lawnmowers. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot more effective. Hmm. Got a sponsorship from John Deere. There was a, it's a really weird collaboration. <laughs> Christ alive. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. We've learned something this evening. That's why experts are on this <laughs> podcast this evening. Because when Billy gets home from the said pub, he has a conversation with his mum about how financially they're fucked. Yeah. And how miserable they're, you know, th- th- their dad's a fucking crackpot inventor who's shitted it. And that they're going to run out of money and probably be homeless soon. And then he, the dad comes home and she's like, oh, well, let's not talk about it now. And it's just like, oh, God, this is so depressing. And yeah, the dad's like, hello, love, I just yeah. spent $100 on a rat. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells him the three rules, and then his wife, bloody not listening, yeah. takes a Polaroid photo. Poor, poor Gizmo nearly has a heart attack and dies. Imagine that, imagine if he'd have had a heart attack and died right there. It would have been a really short movie, <laughs> and it would have been called The Death of a Rat <laughs> by Joe Dante. <laughs> <laughs> he has the horrible scene of Randall on his hands and knees trying to give mouth to mouth to this small mogwai. Yeah, as it boils and bursts in its hand. 
you should it should be said that the um animatronic work in this film is fantastic it's beautiful isn't it because mm. he re- they especially with gizmo they really get across the whole slightly feral scared frightened angle that they're going for with it and his little um, fa- angry little faces almost like a angry hamster gerbil type thing yeah it's all brilliantly done oh it's amazing apart from the close-up one they've got that's obviously a much larger scale and it's quite weird oh. and horrible to look at yeah although imagine that waking up in the middle of the night and that hovering over you. He ain't so cute no more, is that gizmo? Yeah, imagine if what they didn't tell him is that after one sleep, he grows to be seven feet tall. This, this is the thing, though, right? It's like, already, the Polaroid and the mirror is, like, upset him. And I'm thinking, oh, this is... I can't deal with this. I've got a shit job at a bank, and now I've got to look after a hypochondriac hamster. <laughs> you know, it's like... It's, 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 it's too high maintenance, this pet, already. <laughs> it really is. Uh, were it not for the adventure we're about to go on, I think I'd probably smother it. <laughs> Bin bag, river. <laughs> how's, how's Gizmo? Oh, he died. Yeah, what do you do? Oh, I threw it in the river. You yeah. bloody dickhead! There's suddenly <laughs> bloody millions of them all along the bank. Oh, I'd, again, I'd watch that. Mrs. F- Mr. Futterman and his wife are ram raided by his own plough. Yeah, you see, you know what's great is that you have all this slaughter and mayhem going on, but it never feels. Um, sad. Do you know what I mean? It's no. like it always feels like it's 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 madness. It's, it's because every sense. time something like that's going to happen, Jerry Goldsmith's gone. I'm going to play na 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 yeah. na na na, and you're like, oh, I like this. It's because you, you unfortunately, could put that over murder footage. Yeah, no, well, right. I want to see that in seven, or I want to see <laughs> Schindler's List. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> or, the one. Yeah. Man the Eats Dog. He's, he's, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, where he's beating his mate to death, <laughs> smashing his face in. Someone can edit that, that would be great. Thank you. <laughs> and that's it from this special Best Of compilation. If you like SmurshPod, why not follow us on Patreon? Follow us, why not become a patron? Don't just follow, join in. Join in, why not? Uh, buy some of my books. Got another one coming out later this year, my books. Uh, if you like books um, I, I hope anyway but I'll leave you as a special treat with one final selection from the end of 2021 where I was joined by fellow snake boys Tom Neenan and Tom Crowley to put our hands in our pockets rummage around and pull out Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone oh, I shouldn't have said that goodbye there's a few instances in this film, and it's the only film where they do it because I think they didn't trust the process. Right. Where they've Americanized words. Oh, which right. ones? Well, the first instance is Vernon saying, No more mail today. Oh, we don't say, the- we don't go trucking with no mail. We say post. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Now, when they're on the train, the lady with the trolley comes and says, Do you want any sweets? And Ron holds up a manky old bag of sandwiches and says, No thanks, I'm all set. No English oh. kid would say that. At least she didn't say candy. Mm. Any kids want some candy? Because that would be See, terrific. are there any miners <laughs> on the sidewalk who want some candy? Hey. It used to always annoy me. There'd be a British film and someone would say, I've just checked the closet and it's full of garbage. Mm-hmm. Then they go to Snake's potion yeah. class and he says, I can teach you to bewitch the bard and mm. snare the senses. I can tell you how to bottle fame, blue glory, and even put a stopper in death. And then, uh, then Harry says, "Why are you wearing that cape?" And then he says, "Arafat gets his suits there." Nice. And it's very, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh-huh. Very good. Very good. You wanted yeah. a miracle, Harry. I give you the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> Seamus blows himself up a lot. Now I feel that like this is another right. bit of racism. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he, he, he's warning. blowing himself. He's supposed he to say. <laughs> when Guardian Leviosa set a timer, then call in a five-minute warning, then leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the point when in Deathly Hallows Part 2, McGonagall turns to him and says, uh, Mr. whatever his name is, Mr. O'Flanahy, whatever he's called, you have right. a particular talent in blowing things up. And I just sat up with as a man with Irish family yeah. and thought, hang on a minute. Um, I tried to write, sort of describe um, Quidditch in my notes and I've written, mm. it's, it's the same as football, mm. uh, except if a very special clever boy can find a magical golden ball that will end the football immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imagine if you're watching like Millwall v Everton mm, and then yeah. like towards the end of the match a little boy in the corner was like, I've done a word search mm. and then that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that ends the game. Yeah. And then Ron's oh. playing chess and then and the chess game 
one of them animates and kills the other one. And he goes, and she goes, that's awful. And he goes, that's wizard chess. And I thought, no, it's just chess. My first thought was, no, this is pod racing. <laughs> I just say, if you're still day. listening to this podcast at this point, thank you. Yeah, yeah. the number of the Samaritans is, yeah. and, and John, can you drop in it's the actual number of the Samaritans? So they're in Hagrid's hut. Now, Hagrid, they're trying to give Hagrid a catchphrase in this film, which doesn't carry on to the other films, which is, ah, mm. oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he's like, is that, that you guys? You're just about to have a wank. <laughs> yeah. I have said oh, that. I should not have said that. <laughs> Ron, shift over, will you? You're on my giant tower of copies of Granny Fuckers Monthly. <laughs> oh, oh, I should so not have said that. that. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I... Uh, I never wear pants when there's anyone in this room. Oh, I should have said that. <laughs> I should have said, said that. that. Um, I can only get off when I'm strangling her. Oh, I should have said that. My summary of this film was, um, it's very like the Edinburgh Fringe, isn't it? Because Mm. it's about some posh kids who go from their home in London Mm. up to Edinburgh, where they (laughs) exercise the skills that they had already developed. (laughs) <laughs> to try and win, to try and win the approval of some gatekeepers who yeah. had already decided who they liked before the game began. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that's that that's is, horrific! Is that absolutely perfect. Is that fair? <laughs> I can't believe how perfect that is. are on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns